Welcome to the IEEE Digital Reality Podcast Series, an IEEE Digital Studio production. This podcast series showcases insightful conversations with industry leaders in AI, virtual reality, augmented reality, XR, smart robots, and much more. It serves as the leading community for projects and activities on a range of immersive technologies, keeping audiences at the forefront of industry-leading advancements. In part one of a two-part discussion, IEEE Digital Reality Initiative Steering Committee members, Derek DeKirkhove, Scientific Director of Media Dumilla, and Patrick Hintz, Head of Governance, Risk, and Compliance at a leading USA engineering and plant construction company, explore salient implications of the metaverse. To get started, a very simple question. What is the metaverse? Okay, for me, the metaverse is a very significant step in the digital transformation. Uh, the tendency of the digital transformation has been to redouble every aspect of human experience and human affairs. Uh, before we talked about the metaverse, we dealt with the digital twin, uh, with all kinds of uh, innovations, but the metaverse is the one that sort of pushes the whole thing <laughs> somehow beyond the edge, uh, trying to pull the whole world into the single environment. And that is something that uh, can take many, many shapes. And I suppose that's what we want to talk about, isn't it, Patrick? That's right. And I think the key word, what you mentioned, is uh, one environment. So it's not uh, one uh, platform, another platform, uh, something uh, nice, fancy looking uh, 3D. But the important uh, thing, due to my understanding, is that this is something like uh, Web 3.0, so that everything uh, is uh, reachable via this uh, one environment. So it could be the social media platform uh, connecting with the government, uh, connecting uh, with online uh, shopping, uh, etc. And due to this, uh, to be honest, this is nothing uh, completely new as a strategy. Uh, this is what social media platforms uh, for years now uh, are planning to keep people on their platform and include more and more services so that uh, you do not have to leave the social media platform but can go to shopping on the platform, etc. So the strategy itself, it's not completely new. What is new maybe is uh, the computer power. Now we can have this fancy 3D environment uh, on a normal laptop. So practically everybody can enter uh, a 3D environment. So I think the, the uh, technical developments uh, is the inside our computers. This is what it makes uh, more accessible for everybody now. Well, for everybody, let's say in the Western uh, world. So gentlemen, are you seeing or hearing any misconceptions related to the metaverse? Metaverse became also a marketing term. So everybody is now trying to sell their new 3D platform, their new 3D computer games as the metaverse. Uh, what is not because we are, but they want to market a single platforms, a single uh, computer games, even if they are uh, in the clouds, um, they are just limited to the game and not um, having access to government education, like universities, etc. There is that, there is definitely that. There's also the fact that people are wondering why are we doing this? I mean, <laughs> this idea of buying a Armani dress for 10,000 euros uh, that you will never wear, this uh, surprises many people and it, it creates uh, an, some anxiety, I must say, 
there is a there is a question of the uh, the private space too, is which is which is often commented on, but there is also the puzzling uh, question that one asks oneself: What is psychologically beneficial about creating the metaverse? What is it doing to our mind? Yeah. What is it doing to our bodies too? As we do more and more virtual and less and less physical, we go physical, but you know, it's uh, it's these are questions that I've that I've seen raised by different different people. So, in your view, what are some of the key factors that are driving the development of the metaverse? For my opinion, is that uh, it's a uh, development which is uh, driven by the companies itself. It's not that the normal people on the street really want to have the metaverse. Uh, now they're not aggressively uh, asking uh, the, uh, our IT companies that we finally want to live in the metaverse. So, of, so right at the moment, it's something which seems to be a little bit more uh, driven uh, by the IT companies, the social media platforms, um, etc. It's a, Yes, it, it's a top-down strategy, not a bottom-up. Uh, but on the other hand, there is another aspect that interests me very much, of course, as a professor of literature, which is the whole idea that you are actually uh, creating a conscious environment the way you have in your own mind outside of it in front of a screen. We are, we're pouring our insights on screens in our cell phones and the metaverse is a huge step in that direction. So there must be something, how would you call it? Not theological, but teleological about it that somehow the digital transformation needs it and so that eventually a lot of things will fall into place once it works out. But it's time for, for us to talk about it today to say, yes, it might work out, but we want it to work out our way. We want it to work out for the benefit of people. And that's one of the major questions I think that is being raised both by the public, the, the commentators, and I guess even by some of the, uh, some of the researchers. Yeah, completely agree. It's the time uh, now for us, uh, the, for say for the, for expert, for universities, for society, politicians uh, to discuss uh, how the metaverse will look like. Uh, if we will, don't have these discussions now, uh, the uh, known players coming uh, from the IT side uh, will uh, offer their uh, services, and that's will it be. So a question for both of you, when you look at the possibilities that the metaverse offers, what are some of the things that you find most inspiring? Uh, maybe first a very simple practical point, and I see uh, that uh, industry is already working on that we can have our official uh, avatars and they could be used as Derek uh, described it, uh, but also you can use, for example, your avatar for the normal uh, online meetings where, which we have today with uh, camera. So then in future, maybe people would see my avatar and not uh, me all the time uh, in the camera because uh, uh, all the advantage which Derek uh, described, it also has a big disadvantage. Uh, with, uh, as, for example, if I am a normal user, an uh, employee, if you're speaking about a corporate uh, online meeting, uh, if I'm in the meeting, I all the time, I'm looking how I look in the camera. Uh, do I don't look bored? Uh, do I really look interested when my boss is uh, talking? So this uh, is something which companies are always working that in the, future, in the near future, you are not uh, seeing my camera, but you see my avatar which could be blinking, which could be uh, nagging uh, to agree when somebody speaks uh, 
a longer time. So this is something which will take a lot of pressure away from the people. And speaking about uh, inspiration uh, of, I would be curious to see uh, the metaverse uh, uh, more in combination with the philosophy, arts, uh, painting. Uh, uh, for example, with the metaverse, I can be, let's say, inside the brain of uh, Van Gogh, uh, uh, seeing uh, how he perceived the reality, and uh, then maybe it's uh, going into uh, his art, or the, you, we can use it for the uh, concepts of surrealism. So, for me, the mixture between technology and arts uh, would be very interesting. But let's say this is my personal opinion. Derek, do you have anything to add, in particular, how it relates to the term you use, mediature? Now, regarding the arts, for a long time, I have been very interested in the role of literature and of the arts in shaping people's psychology and way of feeling about themselves and about things, how they represent themselves, and how literature has taught us, literally, literally to, to live other lives. Today, cinema does it in many ways. But I think what's going, what's going on today is that the digital transformation is moving from words to images, from stills to movement, moving to other dimensions of human experience. And so I have created the word mediature in order to actually reflect what the media, let's say the art of media and the using of media for art purposes is actually adding to our experience. Every novel you read as a kid and later has added something very important to your experience. Now, everything that we are doing online is adding something to our experience. So miniature is good. And the metaverse to do that is really useful. And we will learn more and more. And we will want our, our children in school to learn about these things. I think the use of metaverse for teaching would be absolutely fantastic. So there's a lot of really good things that we can expect, but we should know that psychologically the experience itself is an added uh, feature of our lives, not a subtraction. Because a lot of people are saying, what, if, what are we going to do with reality if we all sort of, you know, all, all live in the metaverse? Well, that's, I wouldn't take it that way. I would say, no, you can get many more experiences once you are in the metaverse without losing the ones you, ha you have, but you have to have some discipline not to spend your whole life in the metaverse. So gentlemen, what's a citizen twin? And how do you envision citizen twins' roles in the lives of the general public? How can citizen twins make our lives better? Well, I can, I can start on that. Um, the word citizen twin is new to me because I've always considered the digital twin of a person, uh, the personal digital twin. But the word citizen twin is useful too. And I have seen several uh, uh, platforms that are using or beginning to use citizen-like characters in a sort of metaverse uh, to study their behavior and to augment uh, what can be known in a smart city. And we also know that, we, that Singapore, for example, has a digital uh, twin city, which is Singapore digital. So the citizen, the, uh, the digital citizen can be uh, the occupant of this. But this is exactly where I feel it's very important to distinguish between a metaverse which is fictional, whether it is artistic or purely an entertainment, and the metaverse which is actually a reproduction of the reality that you are living in. I'm living in Rome. I can imagine Rome being becoming a meta city. If you put together 
the smart city features and all the infrastructure study that can, can come with that. If you can have your, your digital citizens uh, occupying and you can find out more about how to regulate traffic and, and, and various aspects of the smart city. If you add to that into the digital twin city and then you, you come up with the meta city if you add to it the metaverse, all the metaverse technologies. That could be so much more valuable to people, to the to the to the sense of belonging to your city. So that for me, the, the digital citizen is uh, is already a thought in that direction, and some uh, and a thought that I feel is one of the most positive aspects of what we can do with metaverse. Uh, yeah, I also don't remember where who originally coined uh, the term, but citizen twin uh, was already used by. Um, uh, Gartner, uh, the uh, company, and uh, they included it 2020 in their hype cycle for uh, emerging technologies, which we expect to see in five and uh, 10 years and something I uh, would uh, agree to. Uh, maybe as a difference to a personal digital twin, uh, I would understand that a citizen twin would be only usable for uh, somebody who has the citizenship. So. Uh, governments may only include people who are legally living inside the country. What we discussed in the beginning is uh, this would be a metaverse, uh, which is clearly uh, aligned, connected with the uh, government, uh, including, uh, this could include that I not only have my avatar, which uh, looks perfectly uh, like me, but also would include my my data, for example, date of birth, social security number, criminal records, healthcare information, vac vaccination status, uh, very important uh, topic at the moment, educational information, university degrees, etc., etc., etc. And this could be something, and uh, which could, for example, be um, saved, uh, sorry, uh, secured, which uh, uh, NFT. Uh, with uh, blockchain, blockchain. Um, this may sound uh, today like uh, science fiction, but we are very near to this. Just uh, was it at the beginning of this month, uh, there was uh, presented the first uh, automobile, which would include uh, NFT technology uh, to safety information like maintenance, usage, uh, etc., uh, ownership. So. If we can uh, have a, a virtual twin of an automobile, including all this information, it's only a logical next step when we also have this uh, for humans. So this would be then a metaverse where I have my officially certified uh, uh, avatar, my uh, citizen twin, not only looking like me, including my certifications. And this I can use also then uh, for electronically ask for the uh, services uh, which um, I have uh, from my uh, government, independent if it's my city, my country, um, etc. And on the other hand, this could also um, then go, go uh, even further than I'm invited uh, to be a participant uh, in uh, lawsuits, uh, for example, or we can have more uh, direct democracy where I get asked if I'm let's say in my city, if I'm uh, for something or if I'm against something. So uh, this would uh, open a lot of possibilities um, uh, regarding the contact with the government as it will bring me virtually much closer 
to the decision-making processes. Yes, yeah, I, I agree with that. But this is where I go back to my meta city. I imagine myself as a mayor of the meta city, the virtual mayor, but my, my citizen twin is the mayor of my meta city. So what are the general rules? First of all, the meta city is a public space that's fundamental, occupied as such by all citizens, either as themselves or as avatars or digital twins or digital citizens or even visitors. Second, citizens can propose change to building, roadways, public artworks, services, etc. but they must first obtain city council permission to simulate them because you can actually build mm -hmm. things into a metaverse. They have to get the, the city council permission to make the simulation so that an approval can be actually given to the, to the real building in the real city uh, of, of that thing. The ownership, free access and use to owners and renters. In other words, you can build new stuff without permission and you can't own something that is not already owned in the real world so that you have to have a one-to-one -one relationship between the meta city and the real city. Laws applying to public behavior in the physical city apply to the meta city, that is theft of property, break-in and entry, indecent exposure, and many, many other things have to be regulated by law in that environment. An administration can use the meta city to re rehearse city functions, city planning, festivities, sport events, traffic coordination, infrastructure planning, budget management, city policy governing, security control, and so on. So you see, the idea is to very to distinguish very strongly the meta city from the from the ordinary ideas of metaverse. It's a, it's a service. It's a service environment that allows people to feel quite differently about about their city. It allows them to sense a, a new sense of belonging. I find it very important that civic civism and civic sense be reintegrated in our society and it's, it's, it's not even taught in schools anymore. So the idea of making oneself really belong to one city by having an instant access, not in, impeded by time or space, uh, would, would create an entirely different relationship and a new responsibility towards the city. That's the whole idea of the meta city is to, is to get people involved, get to love their city much more, get to actually take care of it. So Patrick, how do you envision the share of the metaverse among humans and AI avatars? Do you think one will be more prevalent than the other? And what are the implications of that mix? Well, I would understand uh, it would be similar than our traditional uh, internet. But let's say if we think about our traditional internet, if we are going to the, comp uh, to the website of uh, most uh, manufacturers or any other kind of companies, uh, we see uh, the website and let's say five seconds later uh, pops out a window where the chatbot is asking uh, us what uh, uh, it can do for us, how it can support us. So uh, maybe this would be uh, something which we can also expect uh, from the metaverse that if we have, let's say our 3D environment, we are walking around in a simulated um, uh, mall uh, that uh, we will uh, face much more AIs so uh, the AI uh, avatars, uh, the metaverse, you may say, would be their natural um, environment. And uh, coming back to a point which Derek mentioned uh, earlier, that uh, the personal digital uh, twin here, we could have, let's say, uh, digital twins uh, of uh, humans, which are not locked in right at the moment. So they are having their life of, their own, so to say, based on their algorithm, or you also may have, have personal digital twins 
of uh, people which unfortunately uh, died uh, years uh, ago. So this could be also a, a potential um, scenario. And of course, then uh, you can also have uh, the other way around. As I said, if we have the AIs uh, who again live in the uh, metaverse, Uh, they can also enter our atom world uh, with the uh, progress we are doing with robotics. We can use the algorithms, which is already uh, fueling this AI avatars and include them in a robot so that a very similar algorithm could be also be active then in our uh, atom world. So this would be quite uh, interesting. Or Derek, what do you think? No, I think it's fantastic. I am working now on a project that uh, would actually uh, help uh, the school system by actually having kids uh, learning how to build a metaverse. You can do it uh, with very cheaply right now. You can actually, yeah. there's one called spatial and you can just get into that and you can start building. And I think as an educational tool, it would be fantastic. Uh, and I think that the, building the metaverse would also lead eventually to learn how to deal with your digital twin. Uh, so far, we don't really have it very easily accessible. We have digital assistants, and, but we don't train our digital, well, we sort of train our digital assistants. Uh, but at some point, schools will have to deal with how to manage the digital environment because it actually affects both the, the, the kid as a person and as, as the occupant and a future, eventually a future occupant of a, of, of a meta city. So, I, I believe that the educational system should get onto it now, not wait anymore. Make mm -hmm. sure that actually you, you know, we have things that we can help the teachers with. So that's what I'm working on now. Exactly. And it's again uh, important that uh, this is a topic which is also taken by schools, uh, university. If not, uh, we will leave this space only for uh, company, uh, big uh, companies. For example, building your own uh, metaverse, this is something up to its limits, which can be also done uh, with the known uh, computer games. Uh, so I see my daughter, for example, building houses, uh, building uh, little shops uh, online, playing with her friends. So this is something uh, which already exists in uh, uh, commercial offers like these uh, games. But I, I agree with Derek that we want also here schools uh, involved to, to ensure that uh, uh, this uh, metaverse are based on uh, the values which are lived uh, in the local society. Uh, if not, we are getting the meta metaverse, which is based on the philosophy, on the values uh, from one country, which or of a number of countries, uh, which uh, offer their solutions for all over the world. Um, which is a little bit problematic because societies are uh, completely uh, different. So uh, maybe if we have a metaverse developed in the US, it will have uh, other internal rules uh, than we would have in China or in uh, Europe, for example. Derek, do you have anything to add? Well, that actually brings to mind the fact that last week we had a webinar for the Digital Reality Initiative And uh, it was about the social digital twin. And what I discovered, and the reason we had it was because I discovered while I was doing research on the, the personal digital twin, that in Russia and in Japan, 
there is way more interest in the social dimension of the digital twin than on the private dimension, which is typical. And I find it very interesting that the Japanese and the Russians came to that webinar and talked about it in very eloquent terms about the importance of actually considering the social dimension. And um, one group that I did not invite because I didn't know about them until last week was the group from Fujitsu in Japan. And uh, they are doing the uh, social digital twin in big time. Uh, I'm quoting here Masami Mizutani, who is the director of uh, Fujitsu's project on social digital twin and, his twin. and he says, typical smart city digital twin manage the data in terms of the relationship between the real world and the virtual space. The digital twin is a complete reproduction of behaviors of a society by constructing a human model and a social model that reacts in real time to changes in society at large, reflecting shifting relationships between the behavior of people and goods, the economy and society in minute detail. This will allow users to visualize future actions and possible risks with reference to ever-changing real world condition and to support urban planners in developing agile and appropriate measures to achieve their public policy goals and make society more sustainable and livable. Well, that's a program, isn't it? Correct. Uh, and especially if you talk about Japan, if you speak about AI, uh, this is uh, deeply uh, a, con uh, a continuation uh, from uh, culture, religion, which is more than 1,000 years uh, old. Uh, so the effect, uh, from my point of view, of the Shinto religion, how you understand AI, the metaverse, it's uh, completely different as when you're coming uh, from the other extreme, which I would say is uh, the US, where we have a very individual uh, culture. So for this, it was uh, for me quite interesting to see the mentioned um, webinar uh, last uh, last week, because we have to understand that the idea how we realize how we integrate AI metaverse strongly uh, differs from our uh, social background. So oh, sorry, totally. social cultural background. I'm looking forward to hear more about the Chinese because of course the social credit, everybody knows about social credits. It's a bit of, it's a bit of scandal for European and Americans. The idea that you, know, you have a system that spies on you permanently during night and day, evaluates you and punishes you or rewards you according to how you yeah. have behaved. Well, this is something which is totally culturally based. We don't realize that. We are very individualistic for very good reasons, and I can explain that too. But the point, the point is that in China, it's what's important is the social group, it's the community, it's the people at large. Even Xi Jinping is talking about establishing harmony and cutting down on, even against the economy, cutting down on big companies in order not mm -hmm. to create too big a gap between the rich and the poor. This is something very Chinese. <laughs> imagine not happening at all in, in a European or American context. And, and, and we should really know that. That too yeah. is something that we should know. Um, I, don't see any, I don't see anything wrong with applying a trying somebody else's ethical environment just to see how it would happen. That would be a very interesting experimental use of a metaverse. You create a metaverse that in, in Canada or Italy that actually is guided by rules developed in, in China. That would be very interesting, but would you really want to live that way? Uh, would you want to see your society live that way? This would be up for experimental thing. We should experiment our metaverses together as communities, not just as individuals. So how do you see openness and interoperability being crucial to the metaverse's development for the betterment of humanity? 
Wow. Mm. Good question. <laughs> I think interoperability should, it, first of all, interoperability guarantees, guarantees that all the virtual space is common space. One of the big problem of our present world is echo chambers. It's all the relationship that people have within their own minds and the small group of people that are allowed into those chambers and so on. We should have common space again. It's been, it's been pretty well threatened by the digital transformation. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, the digital transformation is a double-edged sword. It has some really wonderful things, including using AI for discovering the right kind of cancer that somebody has, making the right judgment about uh, some kind of uh, tort. There are all kinds of things that, that come out of algorithms and artificial intelligence that are absolutely precious, but they're also terrible things. And I think the terrible thing is social decohesion that we are experiencing right now. Why are we back into a situation right now, uh, such as the one that's happening in Ukraine, where we're back in the Middle Ages again, with some kind of tribalism going into very, no, we need to really get out of this and, uh, and soon. So yes, experimental uh, spaces, okay, but interoperable spaces to create a sense of this is everybody's space and not just the private groups. And it, it, that's, that's what interoperability, interoperable means for me. Uh, and it would, I think it would have immediate benefit from allowing people to share as opposed to sort of once again, you know, pull back, draw walls, uh, hold, hold themselves up into, into, into their echo chamber. Yeah, I agree with this. And uh, I think the more interconnections we have uh, between societies, between uh, countries, the more we interchange uh, information, uh, the more democratic uh, our world uh, could be. Um, I like to use here the uh, triple helix uh, theory uh, which practically says that it's in the benefit uh, for the whole society if we have a good uh, interconnection between, between companies, universities, and the government. This will lead to uh, economic uh, market growth. So from uh, economic uh, side, uh, this uh, metaverse would also bring a benefit uh, to whole society, independent if we are online or offline, for example, have bringing uh, students uh, where, quite early uh, in their studies in contact with interesting companies where they can learn for how the world works in uh, real life, I wanted to say. But on the other hand, um, employees uh, staying in contact with uh, universities, get new ideas, new inspiration, and also, of course, uh, having uh, universities and companies in contact with government or society uh, ensures that they still stay uh, grounded, that they underst we understand what society needs, not today, but also uh, on a longer, longer side to ensure sustainability. So uh, regarding this theory, theory sorry, uh, the more connections we can ensure um, via the metaverse, uh, I think the better it will be for our societies. Thank you for listening to part one of our two-part interview with guests Derek DeKirkhove and Patrick Hentz. To learn more about the IEEE Digital Reality Initiative, please visit our web portal, 
at digitalreality.ieee.org.